tonight and try to give you something from the Lord this evening. Take our Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10, we'll read just one verse tonight, it'll be verse number uh, 42, we'll read verse number 42 and then we'll actually, and, and don't let this alarm you, but we'll actually preach through the entire chapter tonight and uh, hit a couple highlights. Um, but let's read our text, verse number 42. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I want to preach with the Lord's help tonight on choosing the good part. Let's bow our heads and pray. God in heaven, we love you. We thank you for this day. We pray now that you would help us as we try to preach your Word. God, the, just the reading of Your Word, Lord, can benefit the hearts and the lives of Your people. And God, tonight we're going to try to go through this chapter just very quickly and give them something, Lord, that You've impressed on my heart. So I pray tonight that You'd give us the authority of God's Word to be able to preach in power. Lord, we ask You for that unction and utterance to be able to preach the Word of God boldly tonight. We pray that you'd bless your people. Lord, we realize, Lord, the crowd compared to this morning, Lord, is quite different. But, Lord, we thank you for those that are here tonight. We pray that you would uplift and encourage them, strengthen their faith. Father, we pray that you'd help them for their journeys this week. God, those that are not here, we do pray that you would touch them, bring them back at the next appointed time. We pray you'll keep them safe. But God, once again, we thank you for those that have taken the time, Lord, to come back this evening. We pray a special blessing on them tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, try to preach on this thought, choosing the good part. And my, what it would be like if we could be in Mary's position. She was sitting literally at the feet of Christ with what seems like not a care in the world. She was sitting here and everybody around her was busy. Everybody was was about the Lord and she was just sitting at His feet taking it all in. Now, it may be that she had many cares and she may have had a lot of burdens, a lot of things to deal with. But it could be that uh, all of those things paled in comparison uh, with just needing to escape and hear from the Lord. We were talking to somebody just the other day about, uh, maybe it was Brother Gant Morgan, and uh, we were talking about vacation and, and this, that, and the other. And I said, you know what, this is going to sound super spiritual, but I promise it's not. But I remember a couple of years ago when all of our family went down to the beach and, and, and I could walk out. I'd never been able to do it. Never went to a beach where you could see the bottom. And I, I'd like to see where my feet are in the water. Somebody come on and say amen. And so the first time I'd went down there was with, uh, I think maybe was it, somebody's graduation, Allie's graduation. And uh, so we went and, and I was able to walk out and the water was up to my neck and, and there was hardly anybody around, it seemed like to me. And uh, so it's just kind of me and God. 
And I began to sit out there and, and I don't remember tears coming down my face, but I could feel them welling up in my heart because I couldn't hear people screaming on the beach. I couldn't, couldn't hear anything going on, maybe a, an occasional noise out there, but it was as if I was isolated from everything. And I, I told Brother Morgan, I said, the next year we win and I hope to do it again this year just to get out there all by myself as far as I can go and still touch the ground. Somebody help me. And just enjoy the, the, enjoy the Lord. Just, just nobody else around. And uh, I often, when we're down there, I told somebody, it seems like the sun comes up at four o'clock in the morning. So I get up when the sun gets up and I'm up by myself for many hours. And then there's just time to be alone. And I wondered maybe if Mary was like this. She needed some time alone. And so she shut out everything else and decided, hey, I'm at the Lord's feet. I'm going to sit here and shut it all out and listen to what he has to say. Martha, on the other hand, was busy. <coughs> she was busy. Now, don't I, I'm not I'm not switching switching colors here. I said this morning we need to be busy. All right, y'all remember that we need to be busy. We need to be about the Lord's work. But here she was not just busy, but she was troubled. She was anxious and she was disturbed about everything, even those that weren't doing anything. And so I believe there was a choice to be made, and that's what Jesus spoke of here in verse number 42. He said, one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. And so I ask you tonight the question, will you choose the good part, or will you spend your days troubled about everything? It's important to realize that Martha was working for the Lord. Did you, did you catch that? She wasn't just cumbered about with busyness. She was doing this because the Lord was in the house. She was busied about his business. She was doing what was right, but she was cumbered. It reminds me of Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. I seem to, to recount it so often lately. And let us not be weary in well-doing. It can happen. You can be weary and well doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And so it takes me to these verses and it makes us wonder if Mary had, had plans to get everything done so she too could enjoy the Lord's presence. But because someone else decided to choose that good part, she was stuck cumbered about with, with much. And so there is a fine line, but there is a choice to be made. The entirety of this chapter, there are lessons for the child of God. And every one of them point to laboring, to loving, and to learning. And so tonight, again, I emphasize we need to choose the good part. Number one, I want us to look, and we're not going to read all of these, but between verse number one and verse number 16, we find the labor in the harvest. The labor and the harvest. In verse number 1 and verse number 2, there is a prayer for laborers. He says, after these things, in verse number 1, the Lord appointed uh, over 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. 
Therefore, said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So there is a prayer that we are instructed as a laborer. We are to pray for more laborers. Uh, Mary, she, she got cumbered about, and, and I realized that, that we are in verse 43, 41, and 42, and now we're looking at verse 1 and 2, but you can tie them together, and you could see where Mary chose the good part, but Martha stayed cumbered about. Martha probably could have found some relief if she had in the right spirit asked for some help, or asked for some direction, and it could be that before she ever got cumbered about, God would have said, sit down. Let's talk about this together. Let's pray about this. Let's do it together. There is in verse number 9, there is not only the praying for laborers there in verse number 1 and 2, but there is a going with the message of salvation. And he says, you're going to heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So there is a message of salvation. This kingdom of God is coming and they need to be ready. He goes on in verse number 10 about the respecting of of the judgment of God. He says, but into whatsoever city ye enter and they receive you not, go your way out of the streets of the same and say, even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. And so they are laborers in the heart, the spiritual laborers in the spiritual harvest that we need today, that we need to be working in today, but we need to be working in the spirit that God has instructed us. There is a message as we get up and we begin to go to try to win souls to Christ. Number one, we need to pray that there are more people willing to go. Number two, we need to go with the right message that there is salvation available to every man, woman, boy, and girl. But we also go with a warning that there is a judgment coming in this life or in the life to come if they reject the Lord. Now, know that when you go as a laborer that Some are going to hear the message, uh, but will turn from it. And that's between them and God. That's between them and God. It, it, it is it is so important as we try to spread the message of salvation that we do what the Scripture says again and again. We we throw the seed out, and that seed being the gospel, brother Kurt. We throw the seed out, and sometimes that's our part. We are to plant the seed. It is someone else's part to come by and maybe cultivate that land or to water that or to be that light to, to bring it up. Or maybe as it springs forth to, to maybe try to hedge it about, whatever it may be. There are different uh, avenues that God uses every single one of us in this harvesting in the field. But we must do what we are told to do. And know that sometimes we can't do it all. I was talking to a young man the other day, and he was uh, he mentioned how difficult it was, maybe in 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 the area that he lives or in the in the family that he's around to really reach someone. And I mentioned the verse that we we talked about this morning in Luke chapter number four, when Jesus said, "A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country." And here we find this again uh, that if 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 we decide, "Hey, I'm going to win my brother to Christ," or "I'm going to win my." 
sister, or I'm going to win my father or my wife or whatever it may be. And I'm going to do everything I can to see them saved. That may not be God's lot for your life. He may want you to plant the seed and back off. He may want you to plant the seed and water the seed and back off. And we want to force that. And many times doing that, we drive them away. I've got some plants at the house and I've got to be very careful. They're sensitive to too much water or not enough water. And I want to see them bloom and I want to see them thrive. And so I'll go and I'll, I'll miss them one day and they don't look any better. So I'll put a little water on them the next day and they don't look a little, they don't look any better. So I'll put them outside, get some heat. And they, I mean, by the time this thing's all over, they're going to die. Because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried different things and it's not what it truly needed. And so we need to choose the good part in laboring in the harvest. Number two, we need to look to the future. Verse number 17 down through verse number 24. uh, We're looking now to the future. Let's look at verse 17. And the 70, these are those same 70 that we find in verse number 1. The 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now, there is a lot of importance in those last three words. Through thy name name. So I heard, I don't remember exactly where I heard it the other day, but someone was calling for a, um, um, a devil caster out or what are those things called? Somebody cast out devils. I don't How much? Exorcist. I, I don't know. I don't feel like that's the right word, but they were cussing. Don't call me. <laughs> that ain't no kind of, don't call me. You want to call the old fellow the Catholic priest or something like that? Call him. Let him get wrapped up in that. I'll pray for you from over here. Said, so no, uh, uh-uh. God ain't called me to cast out no devils. Come on. Now, if he if he says, now, Jamie, you're gonna go over there. That cat's full of the devil, and you're gonna stay there until that devil's gone. I'm gonna be shaking in my boots. Boot, not my. I'm liable to be on booze when I get done. But I'm gonna be shaking in my boots, saying, "Yes, sir, I think I will." But I feel like I'd be kind of like that woman this morning. She heard the voice of God, but she was trying to do her own thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But listen, here we find that they were casting out devils, but they were surprised because they had the power over them in His name. And so we look at number two, we're looking to the future. And it is depending on the power of God. Everything that you and I do in choosing this good part, looking towards the future, it depends on the power of God. He says again, I want to reiterate it, it says, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And then we look at denying the power of Satan in verse number 18 and verse number 19. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So this is not saying that the devil is not powerful. This is saying that he has no power over the believer. Now, there's going to be people on both sides of this thing, and uh, and I'm not going to argue with you, but I believe that, that Scripture tells us that, that if a man is born again, if he's truly saved and created in Christ, a new creature, he cannot be possessed by a devil. 
I do believe that he can be influenced by the devil. The scripture tells us that he can be. Uh, but this, it, the, the, here Jesus is saying uh, that that devil is, is very, very powerful. But in the name of Christ, he has given these disciples power over the devil. And if we can go a little step further, we're still under the law here in Luke chapter number, wherever we're at, chapter number 10. But Michael, we can step a little bit further, even into our, our dispensation that we are in now. And we can see that we still have the victory over the devil. Why? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Does that mean that I want to go toe-to-toe with the devil? Absolutely not. He's bigger than I am. He's stronger than I am. But honey, when the time comes, God will give me strength when all of my strength has failed. And I'll be able to withstand the devil in that day. Amen? So we look at this and we see that there is a denying of the power of Satan. Then we also look at the rejoicing in salvation. He says, notwithstanding, in verse number 20, in this rejoice not. Now listen to what it says. He just said he was going to give them powers over the devils, over the snakes, over the scorpions, things of that such. He says, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. There's a lot of folks, and I believe that this is where the, the charismatic movement comes from. They get so excited about the, if I could use air quotes, the gifts or or their talents, if you will, uh, that they get so excited about those things, and they, they're still not too excited about their names being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But that's what we ought to be excited about. I mentioned it just the other day. I, 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 I try my best to stay away from the phrase, do you want to go to heaven? Because I don't know too many people that don't want to go to heaven. But the question should be, do you want to make the Lord Savior of your life or the Savior Lord of your life? Do you want to become a Christian? Do you want to be born again? Those are the questions that we should be asking. And here we we get so addled and we get so sidetracked by the things, the power that God has given us that we forget that we truly are saved. And we rejoice in the fact that, listen, we rejoice in the fact that we're going to heaven, but we fail to rejoice in the fact that our sins have been forgiven, that we've been justified, we've been washed, we've been sanctified. Those are the things that we ought to be blessing the Lord about. Because yes, it's a privilege to be able to sing. It's a privilege to stand and testify. It's a privilege to do these things for God. It's a privilege to put up the tent and go to meeting out in the yard. It's a privilege to shout and run around the tent. It's a privilege to be in the Holy Ghost of God. But if it had not been for the Lamb of God dying for our souls and our sins and us being to go to Him and having our names written in the Lamb's book of life, none of the other things would even matter. He says, rejoice not in the things of the, 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 the power that I've given you, but rejoice that your name is written down. Christ teaches us to not rejoice in the previous things, but in the fact that we're saved. Number three, we need to love like Christ. We're talking about choosing the good part. Choosing the good part in the labor of the harvest, in looking to the future, now in loving like Christ. And, and, and I'll tell you, this is a hard pill to swallow, loving like Christ. We look around and someone's different than we are. They look different. They sound different. They smell different. They act different. We ought to love like Christ. 
what what does the Bible say? This is this is kind of off the cuff here. And what is it? Romans chapter number five, verse number six, I believe it is. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, my goodness. When we were ungodly, Kurt. When you were in that house that night, God loved you. When you were, when you were in the penitentiary or the jailhouse, God loved you. When you were in the graveyard, God loved you. Now that you're in a suit on the front pew, God loves you. I'm glad that no matter where we are in life, we can say that God loves us. Amen. And if we can, if we can realize that God loved us and we can take off all of our best that we have and we could go back to that day before we got saved and we realize what we look like, what we acted like, what we sounded like, the places that we went, the things that we read, all the sin that had been steeped in our bodies, even as a young boy or a young girl, we realize that we were lost without God and yet Christ Christ loved us. Whoopee and hot dog. Hallelujah. Love like Christ. There was a question here in verse number 25. There's a question offered up by a lawyer. Certain lawyer. He says a certain lawyer. I believe Luke might have been upset at this old boy. He did everything but call him a name. He said, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? Now, that's a hard question. He didn't just say, what does the law say? But he says, how do you understand it? And tell me what you think. Explain it. So here he was. He was asking this question. He was trying to tempt the Lord. But I think the lesson here is that we need to be careful what you ask the Lord, because he may just answer you. Look with me in verse number 27. And he answering, this is that lawyer. Uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. All oh, but goodness. Verse number 29. But he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? I'd like to sock him right in the jaw. And who is my neighbor, Lord? That's, that's the way, that's the way I read it. I, I read the Bible different than most folk, I reckon. But he, here he is. He's asked this question. He's trying to entrap the Lord Jesus. But Jesus answered and says, listen, buddy, you're right. That's what the law says. Now, go do this to your neighbor. And he, he says, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered him. He says, your neighbor is that one that you have no care in the world for. Your neighbor's that Samaritan that's an outcast. Your neighbor's that one that's, that's whooped and beaten down. He's laying in a ditch. He's dying. He said, your neighbor is that, that one that the Samaritan comes and picks up. Your neighbor is that one that the Samaritan comes and, and puts on his own donkey or own mule, whatever it is, and takes him and uh, puts him in a hotel and gives them money to provide for the very ones that you despise. Those are your neighbors. That's who your neighbor is. And what a scene it is. Because this quote-unquote good Samaritan, he is someone that, that the religious crowd, they didn't quite measure up to. Remember those religious crowds, they came by that man that had been beaten and left for dead, and they passed by on the other way. The priests came by, they didn't want to make themselves unclean, so they passed by the other way. But here came this Samaritan, a, a detested man. 
in the sight of the, the Jewish culture and religion. But here the Samaritan came. Someone that quite honestly probably had every excuse in the world to let this man lay there and die. Because if the, if the, if the, the, uh, if the roles had reversed, the Samaritan probably would have been looked upon and said, well, he's, he's a Samaritan. He's, he's one of the children of Moab. I'm not gonna waste my time on him. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let him die. But instead of doing that, he helped him. And Jesus says here in this beautiful picture that that's how we ought to love our neighbors. Throw off every mask. Throw off every, every type of shade that you could cast and just love. You realize, and I, I'm not trying to be funny, but you realize those of us that are in this house tonight, oftentimes we are unlovable. But God loves us still. We all have our personality flaws. We all say things we don't mean. We all have issues every once in a while and we, 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 we spout off or we make some kind of uh, action and, and it just, it just irks the people around us. But do you realize that God loves us still? And when you go outside these, these walls and you go to a restaurant or you go to a supermarket or you go to some store, you go to public, any type of public place and you're going to find people that you just don't like. But God tells us to love them like Christ. You, you may be the only thing standing between that person and Christ. They, somebody prayed maybe this morning. I don't remember. I might have been listening to it, but you've, you've heard it. And then you've heard Brother Dean say this. Um, Lord, save that person that's closest to hell. Not a, not a problem at all with that type of praying. Say that person closest to hell. I believe his brother Dean, he said, I, I about started praying, Lord, save that person closest to heaven. That there's, there's one thing between them and being saved. God, break down that wall. Break down that partition. And I, I don't want to be guilty of being that wall between them and Christ. So we need to love like Christ. Choosing the good part, love like Christ, then last. Listen to the Savior. If you're going to choose choose the right part, you're going to have to listen to the Savior. Verse number 38, we see that there was an inviting him in. Now, it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She received him. She admitted under one's roof. I believe that it's safe to say at this point that she opened her heart to this man as well. There was something about her receiving him into her house that I believe changed her. We don't see Martha and we don't see Mary before this place, but we find them from here on. And so I believe that this was, some have said that, that in, in John, or excuse me, uh, yeah, John chapter number 11, uh, that they were cousins somehow or another. I don't know, but I do know that, that Lazarus, the one that Jesus loved, had died in John chapter 11. And Jesus wept. So we don't know for sure their relationship, but I believe that when Martha opened her home to the Lord, I believe she also opened her heart to the Lord. Believe that he had said something somewhere along the line 
to get her attention. Maybe, maybe it was she, she heard some of these other things in chapter number 10. Maybe it was some of these other, maybe she heard about Jesus and that transfigured. Maybe she heard some of the disciples preach about the Lord. Maybe she saw the disciples cast out devils in Jesus' name and she needed to know more about Him. I don't know. But I do know that she invited Him in in verse number 38. In verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. We're talking about listening to the Savior and choosing the good part. Martha invited him in, but Mary sat at his feet. She was relaxed. She was calm. She was doing what she needed to do. I've said it before, and as far as I know, I'll say it until I die. There's times in our lives where God wants us, and again, I'm not backpedaling, but God wants us busy. God wants us doing but then there's times that he takes us from the from the hustle and bustle and he puts us on a shelf. And when he puts us on the shelf, we we may want to chatter and we may want to just go and we want to do, but God wants us to sit. God's used us for what he's needed us for his will for that time. But now he's got us on the shelf. And it's hard to be on the shelf. I've been there. And you almost feel like you're being punished. But what if we were to think about it when you're sitting there and you're just taking it all in? You're listening to the words of the Lord. You've got time to read God's Word. You've got time to pray. You've got time to talk to the Lord without the hustle and bustle of things going on. But think about it like this. God's put me on a shelf. That must mean that He has some sort of sense of pride for me. He could have put me in a drawer, but He put me on a shelf. So maybe the Lord's just wanting to show me off for a little while. Maybe God wants me to be here so that others can learn something from me. Maybe, maybe it is that we've gotten broken and we're not what we need to be. And so God puts us on the shelf and gives us time to acclimate, gives us time until in His time He begins to work on us. Maybe He wants others to see our faults. Rachel, not to say, look what He did or look what she did, but to say, this is what could happen that we can learn from it. There, there's so many scenarios that you can find in that being put on the shelf. But here it is, this this one word. Mary was relaxing at the foot of Christ. She could have been, and some would argue she should have been helping Martha. She was right where she needed to be, Miss Tanya. And sometimes we get ourselves into trouble by being in places we should not be. When God wants us to sit, and God wants us to relax, God wants us to learn. God wants us to be quiet. And we continue to press on. We were coming to church. And there was this daddy. He had a girl. I don't Maybe she was on a bike or something. I don't remember. But he was pushing this some sort of a cart that had a little kid in it. And he was on the phone. And he just walked out into traffic about four or five feet. 
And I saw him, I mean, he was a good piece. And I, I let off the accelerator, put my foot on the brake just to make sure. And he quickly pulled it back. And he, he pulled his other girl back, but it was on the phone. And Brother David, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that one little distraction and him pressing forward when he should have, st- everybody teaches our kids, you stop, you look both ways. But because of a distraction, he very easily could have lost himself and both of those little children. If we're not careful, we'll get so busy in our, in, in our, in our spiritual or everyday lives that we walk out into oncoming traffic and we ruin our lives by being in a place that we never should have been in the first place. Y'all still with me tonight? So we're listening to the Savior. Martha has invited him in. Mary is sitting at his feet. Now let's listen to his voice. Verse number 39 again. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word. The Word is the today. The Word is the preaching. The Word is that Holy Spirit speaking in our hearts. That Word is this Word getting in this. And, and you realize that you yourself can read God's Word every day of your life and should. You should not, this place is not the only place you should be getting the Bible every week. Every one of us should have a Bible. If you don't, you let me know and we will get you a Bible. You should be able to have that Bible. You should be able to open it up. You should be able to read that thing. People have said that the Bible is, the King James Bible is written anywhere from a fifth to an eighth grade level. And I know when you get to those begats, you kind of wonder who in the world come up with that kind of ciphering. Because, boy, them, some names is rough in there. But when you think about it, I was listening to, to a man the other day, and he was talking about how unquotable some of these newer versions are. And so I started listening to, to other, like the read, you know, the Bible reading. And it, it, in my ear, it didn't set right. It wasn't because I was being super spiritual. It wasn't because I was being judgmental. But it just didn't... There was no poetry to it. And I hate to, to reduce the King James Bible to poetry, but there's something poetic about God's way of writing the Word of God. And you and I have the privilege to have it in our hands. I've probably got 10 or 15 Bibles at the house, maybe more, I don't even know. And I could pick any one of them up and I could begin to read them. I've got a a phone, I've got an iPad, I've got a computer, and we've got Bible apps galore on those things. And I could, at a moment's notice, I could go through there and I could search for a word and find it and read it. But how many of us do? How many of us pick up His Word? Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and she heard His Word. When is the last... I realize there's some, especially men, I realize there's some men in here that from the minute your feet hit the ground, you are gone. I mean, like a shot. How many times have you stopped during the day to hear something from the Lord? Slow down long enough to hear something from God. I've said this before. I've never been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD or anything. I don't even really know all of the, the, the ins and outs of it, but I know how to spell both of them. And I feel like I might have some tendencies. 
I, I, I thought OCD was just, you know, you're having stuff in the right place and this, that, and then I found out there's so much more than that. I'm like, I might have that too. I don't know. And I'm not making light of it. I'm just, I'm just honestly saying those, those things come into our minds and, and we think about all of the things that we have to do and things that we, we don't even really have to do, but we might have to do those things and it, it, it overcomes us. And I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but I just wonder maybe if when, when those times come, maybe we just sit down at the feet of Christ. Maybe you've tried this. I don't know. Maybe we just sit down. We say, God, I want to be married for a little while. I, I, I'm just going to sit here. I heard Brother Marion Atkins talk about Brother Joe Parsons. Never met Brother Joe. I'm, I'm, again, I'm assuming he, he passed away long before. I came alone. But I listened to Brother Joe preach on the internet. But Brother Marion said that oftentimes Brother Joe Parsons would go into his prayer room and he would never say a word, Brother Jody. He would kneel down and he would just wait to hear on God or from God. Brother Marion said he might be there an hour, then he'd get up. And he'd go about the rest of his day. He'd study. He'd maybe pray again. And he said something to the effect that there's no sense in me trying to to work God up and get communication from God when I know He wants to talk to me already. So I'm just going to sit there and listen. And when he heard from God, he got up and he got in his Word. So maybe we need to be like Mary, not like Martha. And we need to choose that good part. And we need to listen to the Savior. She heard His words. Today we have His words. We have the whole. See, they didn't have the Holy Ghost dealing with them. We do. They didn't have the full canon of Scriptures. We do. So we're far beyond what they had. She listened to His words. Are you? Are you listening? Have you heard Him speak? Have you heard Him today? Here's probably where we get kind of messed up if we're not careful. We start thinking, when is the last time I've heard from the Lord? And we may go a day. We may go a week. We may go three weeks. Maybe months. Man, I've not heard from the Lord in, in five months. Well, let's, let's just, just, let's just push the brakes on this thing. Don't worry about the last few months. Worry about today. And choose the good part today. You don't have to dwell on the, on the last days, hours, weeks, months, or years since you've not heard from the Lord. Just get at His feet. Hear His word today. Speak to Him today. Choose the good part today. Let's stand. If we can get a song of invitation, that'd be just amazing tonight. We need to choose the good part in our labor in the harvest and our looking to the future, our loving like Christ and our listening like the Savior. We need to choose the good part. There's a lot of things that we can choose, but what about the good part?